right, welcome into the Damon Bruce Show. Good to have you here on the Plus. We got a little special edition with a very special guest to run past you here on a Tuesday night live on YouTube. We say hello to the one, the only Kyle Madsen, who is the editor over at the Niners Wire, which I catch myself reading each and every week to get some of the latest, greatest news around the 49ers. He is the co-host of the Candlestick Chronicle podcast. He is now a new host at ESPN 1320 up in Sacramento. And not bad, if you don't mind me saying, Kyle, for a guy who is part of one of the most respected three-man classes in the history of broadcasting, the Odyssey layoff class of 2023. It is you. It is me. It is Ray Ratto. What a bond we share. How are you, pal? I'm really glad to share that of all people with you, Damon. I, I wouldn't want to share it with anyone else. <laughs> unbelievable. You know what? You're doing really well for an unemployable bum. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. That's actually what what they told me when when uh, when all these places hire me. They go, you're pretty unemployable, but well, I will take you in. So I, I, I really mean it. It's great to see you. It's great to see how truthfully... How often in life, when one door closes, another opens? Kyle, you were doing an excellent job as a producer at 95.7 The Game, getting some on-air reps, weekends, nights, uh, fill-in duties, and then part of the unfortunate layoff, of course, to find yourself probably doing more of what you wanted to do in the first place now than ever before. You are on the air. Congratulations. Tell us all about it, when we can hear you, and and how excited you are to be back in your hometown of Sacramento broadcasting. Yeah, man. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, we're on 10 to noon on ESPN 1320. It's 1320 a.m. on your radio dial, youtube.com slash ESPN 1320. It's, it's myself. It's James Hamm, who's a longtime Kings beat writer uh, for over a decade now. He's followed a lot of bad teams, now following uh, what I think is going to be a pretty good team. So it's great because if you know anything about Sacramento, it's, I think, the only, maybe the only city in the U.S. where the NFL is not number one. The Kings go above everything else there. And having a guy like James Hamm to, to host a show with really uh, is really, really fun. And we're having a great time with it. Everybody there is super supportive of, of what we're doing and and they're open to ideas and and they view radio in a way that's not just, OK, radio, PPM, people getting in in their car, getting out of their car. They understand the value of this, of of the digital market and of YouTube and of social media and of podcasts and evolving radio shows to kind of fit those new uh, directions that media is going. And it's super fun and super exciting. I, I love what those guys have built. That's great, man. I'm glad that you're a part of it. I'm glad that you're included. And they're certainly lucky to have you. And there is no doubt that 95.7 The Game is unlucky to no longer have you. Uh, you were really, really good at what you did. You are now going to go be great at what you're doing. And I'm excited for you, man. Really, you are a representation of an opportunity shuts down. Another one will present itself for hardworking hustlers such as yourself. So let's talk before we get into a little basketball. We're like a week away from basketball season even starting, which is exciting. But um, let's just get right into the meat of it. We got to point some fingers after a loss. What finger are you pointing the most at whom to explain what happened in Cleveland to the 49ers? Uh, to me, it starts with the offensive line. And I don't even have an individual. Nobody played well. Not even Trent Williams. Yeah. No, nobody was, and you know, he was, he was hurt, but the Browns just 
kick their rear ends on the inside, man, uh, on really both sides of the ball. But to me, it's the Niners offensive line. If I got to pick one thing, they couldn't run the ball. McCaffrey was getting hit as soon as he was he was getting the ball. He's consistently getting hit in the backfield. Brock Purdy was clearly uncomfortable. And some of it was on him. He missed some some throws for sure when there wasn't pressure on, but he just never got a chance to get in a rhythm. And that that all starts up front. So that's that's for me where where I'm pointing the biggest finger. So, you know, it's funny. I'm doing videos about the loss, and I've done videos that are that start specifically with me saying I'm not blaming the officials. However, there are a few calls that are worthy of discussion yes. of the, I mean, I think there are three, even debatably four calls that were really lopsided in the Niners. Uh, it, it, it did not help the Niners at all of the three or four bad calls, which to in your mind was the most egregious. The fumble at the end of the half, they were so focused on whether the ball was in his hand or not. When it started to come forward, which I don't think it was, you could see the ball moving, but that's fine. I'm not even going to go because that was debatable, right? The ball went backwards. It was not a forward pass. Whether his hand was coming forward, the ball went behind him. That's a fumble. That's a fumble. I That is an egregious mistake. That's not a borderline, a, a, a hit like the Tayshawn Gibson hit, right? You can see in real time why a ref would throw the flag. Like, okay, that, that sucks. It's a bad call, but whatever. This isn't a touch uh, pass interference or holding where, okay, you got a little jersey, you know, letter of the law. But spirit. No, it's the wrong call. They got it wrong. So that to me was the most was the most egregious one. There were some other bad ones, but my man, that was a, that was a fumble. I can't I, believe that they, they didn't get that right. I didn't like that for a couple of reasons. Everything that you just laid out, Chief among them, I hated the quick whistle. Yeah, like, how can how can you be so sure that you're going to blow a whistle? You're going to make sure that everyone is just stopping what they're doing. No scoop and score. We can't review this thing in a way that should you be wrong about it. Like, really, uh, can, can we can change what you're doing here? Because that whistle makes everything dead. It was just a bad day for that crew. And it felt like it was just a really bad weekend overall. Like, there yeah, were four or five NFL games where the officials were just like, you know what? It's week six. We're just we're going to we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're going to come off the gas pedal a little bit. We're trying so hard. It was it was an ugly week of football all around the league. That was well, that was the case. Even on some of the calls they got right in that 49ers Browns game. It just took them forever to get really basic things down. I don't. It, I'm. I'm with you, man. It was. It was the Niner game was the one that that you know we focus on here in this area. But reading and watching around around the league, it, it felt like things did not go well uh, for for the officiating on Sunday. And for, the good news is nothing will happen. Yeah. Right. For, for <laughs> story, the following day is like, oh, Roger Goodell's about to get extended, and he's made seven hundred million dollars as commissioner, twice as much as any player has been paid. Uh, chef's kiss to all of that news cycle wrapping up. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is the one injury concern that remains a concern. It feels like Trent and Debo both got lucky. They're listed as day-to-day, which is the equivalent of the NFL telling you, nah, don't even worry about it. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey's a little bit of another story here. They're optimistic. Doesn't sound like they're, you know, they got a cracked rib. They're hinting that he might play on Monday night football. Where do you stand on McCaffrey exercising some precaution here or just mm -hmm. throwing clearly their most important offensive weapon just right back into it. Yeah. I don't, 
I I was just talking about that this with with Chris on on Candlestick Chronicles. To me, Chris if Biederman. it's like, let's let Chris everyone know Biederman. who that Chris is. Chris yeah, Biederman, get the Chris, shot out here. Chris Biederman. So I don't. I would play if it's really just hey, we can give him a painkiller and he's not even going to be different. You won't even notice that he's compromised. Then I would play him. They have to win these games, man. The Lions are really good. The Eagles are really good. They don't want to have to go on the road for the NFC title game for a third consecutive year because that's what their goal is, right? So they have to win these games. The race is going to be way too tight for them to go, okay, well, we can sit in this game because the Vikings aren't really good. Uh, on the other hand, how many times have we seen Kyle Shanahan uh, produce a good run game with guys like Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell? Plus if Trent Williams and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle all are playing, that's that's plenty. So if there's a, any chance that McCaffrey's going to be compromised at all, where he can't move the same way, he can't avoid contact the same way, he can't cut the same way, then yeah, I would just I would just sit him and and make sure he's right for week eight for a really tough game against the Bengals. But I'm not going to sit him just to just to sit him. That's where I landed. I don't know about you. That's that's kind of where I landed. Well, I'm a big believer that the player plays. Right, the player yeah. plays. This is football. We strap it up. We shoot it up. We play. At the same time. Mm-hmm. I do believe in the element of asset protection. And I'm going to tell you that you, you, I don't think you need Christian McCaffrey to win Monday night football. They 1000% need Christian McCaffrey to have postseason success. And I will give away a game in Minnesota. Not that I think they'd be doing that by sitting him. I like Mason. I like Elijah Mitchell. I would like to see, you know, Davis price even get some carries. If it came down to that, I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, there's a part of me and I feel like this is just maybe me getting older. I got kids now. I don't know. Like I'm a nervous grandmother. I'm clutching my pearls because to me, the entire season can be measured and what it's supposed to be based on Christian McCaffrey's health. And, and there's a part of me that just feels like even if he's ready to go, even if the doctors say I'm ready to go, even if he's ready to go, just, just buying them one more week before, like you said, a big Bengals game. And then you get another week off. Yeah. Like to me, I, I might exercise a little caution with that guy because that guy ain't like the rest. He is, I mean, honestly, if it came down to who's the one guy you can't lose, I think a lot of people would say Brock Purdy and they'd be right about that. And then they start saying like, well, Trent Williams and all the, the Nick Bosa and uh, Christian McCaffrey to me is the most important 49er since Jerry Rice when it comes to just getting shit done on a football field. They, the guys have been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think I agree with you. Trent Williams, like the drop off from Trent Williams to Jalen Brown is, or I'm sorry, Jalen Moore is really far. It's a big drop. But at the same time, the drop off between what the Niners' offense looks like with Christian McCaffrey and without it is also pretty, pretty stark. So I, I, I think, I think I'd agree there. I think. Uh, so they remain the Super Bowl favorites. You know, I mean, even with the loss, even with the the world turning around them, they remain the Super Bowl favorites in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. In your mind, Kyle, what's the one trade? And John Lynch has already been aggressive. Added Randy Gregory, who I thought looked good in his debut, didn't he you? Did. He was really, yeah, no, he was really good. Very, way more effective than I thought he was going to be. Also, uh, outsnap Drake Jackson. Not a great sign for for uh, Drake Jackson. That's a tough scene to already be outsnapped by the new guy. 
It would be if I were his agent, I'd be spinning it positive. Be like, dude, you'll have the fresh legs in the fourth quarter, which is going to get you the big sack. That's going to change your reputation. I'd be, I'd be all in his ear. Be an agent. That's a good idea. I'd be all in his ear, Kyle, trying to sell him on the benefits of rested legs in the fourth quarter, and that's when you're going to take over, my man. I don't know if he'd buy it or not, and and I'm kind of selling some bullshit there. No one wants snaps taken away from him in this league. But again, Gregory looked pretty darn good. Um, What is the one trade? another trade that you would like to see that would just put this season over the top in your mind? So I I think realistically, now the pipe dream is a guy like Tristan Wirfs where Tampa Bay decides that they're going to, but I don't think they will because they're that up by having a good year so far. Right. right. So I don't think, but that's the pipe dream. If the Niners could just pick their guy, I think it would be a player like Tristan Wirfs who they can plug in at right tackle. And all of a sudden you have, two excellent tackles and you feel a lot better about your offensive line. Realistically, I think Daniil Hunter's the move. And I know they just went and got Randy Gregory, but Daniil Hunter is a game wrecking edge player who puts your defensive line on par with what a team like the Browns is doing. That, that to me helps you make up for, okay, Christian McCaffrey is going to be out a few weeks. That's okay. The defense is going to take over. Even if the offense takes a step back, this defense is going to be so good. So that's that's the name I look at. And like I said, I know they just went and got Randy Gregory for next to nothing, but Daniel Hunter is on such a different level than Randy Gregory at the most important position on their defense. I'm going and doing that. I like that idea. He's also insurance for what would be a devastating if Bosa were to miss time. Yeah. If uh I mean, I don't, I don't even know if Eric Armstead and him playing the same position anymore. I mean, they they just got so much beef up front. More beef, yeah. It's it's what's for dinner. It's it's how it's how the 49ers win football games. There's no doubt about it. I'll tell you though, it really feels like the league has made an adjustment to all these high paid total stud defensive ends, and that ball is out. I mean, it's it's there aren't even three step drops anymore. It's two and a half steps, and the ball yeah. is gone. So I wonder if. Like, again, I'm thinking Patrick Sertain, maybe uh, another corner. Um, so that's that's one. I, I love that idea, right? Like Patrick Sertain is an awesome young player. He's I think he's still got two more years left. He's got this year and then and then another one before before you have to pay him. So you can start trying to move cap around in the future to, to sign him long term. I just if you're Denver, I don't know necessarily why you would trade him. He's a he's a young asset. He's still cost controlled for the next couple of years. Right. He's a piece you can build around. But again, if if they're open to trading him, then yeah, I I, I love that idea. Him and Traverius Ward with with Diomedor Lenore in the slot would be would be a significant upgrade in the secondary for sure. Even bad teams need good corners. And yeah. I think that's sometimes how GMs think. Kyle, uh shifting gears. Is Trevor May now one of your top 10 all-time Oakland A's since he had the guts to give John Fisher the middle finger in his Twitch retirement party. Yeah, I, I'm going top five, Damon. <laughs> I, I just, I I had a lot of mean things to say about Trevor May when he wasn't pitching well, but you know what? Uh, he made up for it. It's just so nice. Like This isn't, look, when when Terrell, can I, can I say bad words on here? Oh, I, I encourage it. Okay, perfect. When when Terrell Owens tells Jerry Jones to fuck off, I don't care. I don't. Terrell Owens is fifty. Okay, here we go. Terrell Owens is fifty, and I don't care what happened with him and Jerry Jones. You know, twenty five years ago or whatever it is now. When Trevor May, who just played for John Fisher, was just in the A's locker room, 
retires on a live stream like this one retires goes okay i'm retiring for the game of baseball now that it's official fuck that guy that that is monumental to see that from a player who is less than a month removed from playing for that owner so the fact that he came out and said that leads me to believe that maybe everyone in the locker room felt that way and if not every player in the locker room most of them and to know that the players just as an A's fan FYI as an A's fan knowing that the players also feel it that the players aren't passively sitting there and I'm sure some of them are sitting there going I don't care where we play just get me out of this dump the fact that they hear the fans that do show up and that they see the support and they feel the support and know that Oakland is a baseball city and that if an owner commits, they will get the backing of the fan base like we saw at the reverse boycott that Trevor May closed out, by the way. They know. And the fact that the players know makes it so much more worth it as as a fan to know that it's not just shouting into the void. It's getting to the people that actually matter. And that's the guys who, who put their lives and bodies on the line for our entertainment. I tell you, I thought it was very cool that he came out and he said, look, I appreciate the people who show up and we understand why people aren't showing up. And I, if I were a paying customer, might not show up either because that's how bad this guy really is. I love that he talked about his get your mommy's and daddy's money. I mean, he he twisted as many knives into a billionaire as a guy in a retirement speech officially can. Unfortunately, though, it's not going to change anything. I mean, I just, there's no way that baseball owners have any conviction to twist the knife in one of their own because they're all afraid it'll come back to them one day. But I mean, to me, Las Vegas is such a fertile ground that to waste it on a clown owner like this, not only does Oakland wrong, it's eventually going to do Las Vegas wrong. John Fisher has just enough talent to ruin two baseball markets. It's it's remarkable, honestly. And you, you honestly, on some level, I have to respect it and commend being that awful. <laughs> but Bryce Harper, look, Bryce Harper said it best. And, and shout out to the Phillies. They're the most fun thing in sports right now. But Bryce Harper said it best. The you need to give Vegas their own thing. Yeah. The Golden Knights caught on because they weren't the Atlanta Thrashers. Like they were their own thing. They were the Las Vegas Golden Knights. They were there. They were the Las Vegas Aces have caught on because they were Las Vegas's thing. If you just move the A's there, hey, nobody in Nevada wants them. No, that is not a popular thing in Nevada. No baseball fan that that I know or have spoken to is itching to go to Las Vegas to support John Fisher. This is so ugly nationally now that nobody's going to want to give their dollars to that stadium. I said, I, I said on Twitter and again, I, I it's a very small Twitter bubble inside of my very small Twitter bubble, but I said, I will, I will never step foot in that stadium. I don't care. I don't care. This, I am not going, you will not catch me there and fit like Royals fans and Tigers fans and Yankee fans are like, yeah, same. I will never go. And so what so why are we even moving forward with this experiment that looks destined to fail on every single front? And that's before he even starts acting like the cheap fuck that he is, which he will, it's which going 100% will. John Fisher won't turn around the A's with a new budget and stadium any more than the Pittsburgh Pirates turned around their franchise with a new stadium and all that that was supposed to change. I mean, it just there are some owners that just won't throw money at the product. And we know that he is 
first in line among those owners. That's it. They if they if they think that they're going to sell out a Las Vegas baseball stadium uh, uh, as the Oakland A's or the formerly Oakland A's, and they're going to sell them out to the point that they're comfortable shelling out a two hundred million dollar payroll. They're, they're they're wrong and they're lying. And anybody in Vegas that's voting for that are are fools to think so. The A's won't even be as popular as the Las Vegas Aces. It's not like, even going it, to be close. It, it, yeah, no, it's it's it, it, the hierarchy of sporting importance in Las Vegas is forever going to be Golden Knights number 1. They got there first, they are of the city and that matters to them. Then you're going to have the WNBA team and I swear to god that they're more popular locally than the Raiders. I talked to Joe Fortenbaugh, I've talked to JT the I talked to people who cover that team and live in Las Vegas and they'll tell you no one even gives a shit about the Raiders. Like, it's just a destination for other fans in other towns to come to Vegas and have the ultimate dude bro trip with their town being, you know, their, their team playing in Las Vegas. But the actual conversation caring about the Raiders is almost impossible to measure. The sphere will be a thousand times more popular than the A's could ever be. And it just, it's, it's destined to fail. It's, with one sale, it the A's would take off. Look at what's happened to the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders are playing decent football, but that's got nothing to do with it. They got sold out excited fans because ding dong, the witch is dead. Daniel Snyder's gone. And all, all, all of the munchkins in munchkin land are ready to come on out and sing again. And the same thing would happen in Oakland. Maybe they're not drawing three, four million a year like glory years. Right. All they ever needed was a 20, 28,000, 30,000 seat stadium built in the exact location that the Coliseum is in right now with the BART stop, with the last great parking lot in America, which has always mattered and been a huge, charming selling point going to A's games. It's the only, it's the only place in baseball where you get a legit tailgate. Totally and agree. I mean, it's. It's amazing. It's one of the biggest squandered natural resources humanly possible. It's 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 gross. Um, I love how much you still love your A's. I love that you go and you supported them. I love how you would buy an upper deck ticket and end up watching the game with your feet on the dugout. They don't so, get my money. <laughs> I know people. There you go. Good. I'm glad you know people. <laughs> I'm glad I know you. Uh, I mean it. You're a, you're a great fan, and I'm very excited about where your career goes through f for now. Being from Sacramento, how excited are you to cover these Kings and what is clearly an uptick in the franchise's history? I mean, I think one of the most exciting seasons of Kings basketball is about to start. Yeah. I so So, you know, I don't. Growing up in in the Bay Area, I was a Warriors fan my my whole life, right? But all my friends were Kings fans. Oh, okay, yeah, because the Kings. I, I knew you were a diehard A's fan, but, but I, I, I always assumed you were a Kings fan. I never saw you wearing purple anything, really. No, well, okay, so I grew, I went to college in Sacramento. I got my start in media in Sacramento. I grew largely as a person in Sacramento, so I love the nine one six. It holds a very special place in my heart. But for the longest time, I started in in in. Uh, 2011, I started interning, right? And it was a terrible Kings conversation. It was, you know, what is, can they get for Jimmer Fredette in a trade or whatever it was? And they were just <laughs> garbage. But then that was the same thing in 2012. And then 2013, and then I moved to Arizona. And then I came back two years later. And I start working at that station as a part-time board op. 
and I get in on the morning show as a board op. And it's a King's conversation. It's the same conversation we were having in 2011, just with different names. And then in 2017, and then in 2018. And then, thank God, I, I, I go to 95.7, and I, I get to cover a, a, a real franchise. And in the meantime, the Kings got good. And now the conversation is so much more fun. It is talking about, can they improve? Who's going to regress? Who's going to get better? If they win 48 again, are they a six seed or are they a three seed? Because they were they won 48 games last year and were the three seed. Had they won 48 games the year prior, they would have been tied with the Nuggets for the six. So you're looking at you're looking at that. It's just so it can are they in a position to make a big franchise altering trade at some point? And what what does it look like if they do that? It's such a better conversation than well. Maybe this year, the, their rookie from Kansas, who they picked eighth overall, can figure it out. Hey, is the 25th overall pick who had knee problems? Is he going to be able to work? It just, it's, it is so much fun. I'm, I, I'm so glad to be up there now, and I'm really looking forward to to basketball season. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's just I mean, nice. It's nice I mean, to I have a different be, conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun because they're going to play exciting basketball. They're going to play up tempo. They, they are going to make sweet, sweet love to the regular season while other franchises and teams are only interested in making out with a regular season. So I just think it's going to be fun, great tempo basketball. Uh, as someone who did indeed grow up a Warriors fan, are you prepared in any way, emotionally, physically to actually root for Chris Paul for the first time in your life? No, I thought by now I'd be ready. And I'm just not, I don't, I can't. I, so I see the highlight, right. Of Steph dribbles in the middle, throws it up to Chris Paul. And if he throws that to Jordan pool, pulls pulling it from 30. Right. But then Chris Paul swings it back out to Steph and he buries a three and the basketball fan in me goes, Oh yeah, that's going to work. And then the like warriors fan in me goes, like, I just feel kind of <laughs> gross. I feel kind of gross. Yeah. I just, I don't, I, I mean, maybe I'll get there eventually. And if they start 18 and three and Chris Paul's tearing it up, I, I'll, I'm sure I'll come around, but man, it's going to take a lot of getting used to. I, I, I'm not there yet. It's going to be, like, it's going to be like a band that you never really liked. And then you see them live in concert and you're like, all right, I, I think I, you know, I respect them. It's maybe not my <laughs> cup of tea, but you can't yeah. deny why some people are really into this band. Yeah. Like Chris Paul is measurably one of the five greatest point guards of all time. I love good point guard play for whatever reason. I never loved Chris Paul. Maybe the world is strange. That's all I can say. The world's strange. Maybe it'll be one of those things. Like I've always said, if Draymond Green was on another team, I wouldn't be able to stand him. Oh, totally. So maybe Chris Paul doing the Chris Paul thing, but in blue and gold is going to make me like, yeah, love Chris Paul, but. I remember talking to Giants fans years ago about, you know, Barry Bonds when that conversation was raging nightly on sports phone when I was hosting it. I used to say, look, Giants fans, I know you love Barry Bonds. You should love Barry Bonds. But everyone hates Darth Vader until Darth Vader's hitting cleanup in your lineup. If Barry Bonds were a Dodger, you'd be hanging him in effigy off the top of the Transamerica building. I mean, you they would hate Barry yeah. Bonds had he been a Dodger, but he's yours, so you love him. Right, it's exactly how it goes. And maybe Chris, Chris Paul will never be like ours, but I, I might, I might find him tolerable if it if it leads to victories. All right, let me tell you, we're getting rich over here. 
Uh, Rob C. C stands for C note has just wow. dropped a big super chat, a hundred bones. He's enjoying this so much. Thank you very much. Rob C note. And Rob. that is the kind of, that's the kind of audience you draw, Kyle. Again, tell people where to find you plug away, plug candlestick chronicles, plug Niner wire. You do a hell of a job, man. Here's the thing. You know why you're a good talker? Cause you're a good writer too. You really are. So tell everyone okay. where to find all, all your shit. Uh, Ninerswire.com is, is where I write, doing a lot of work over there. Candlestick Chronicles, uh, me and Tommy call my, my contributor over there at Niners Wire. Shout out to Tommy C. Uh, Candlestick Chronicles. I mean, that's, that's an old school D Bruce coaching tree guy. If oh, there yeah. ever was one, he's the man love him to death. He does such a great job helping me out. Tell Tommy um, I said, hi. I sure will. Uh, Candlestick Chronicles with Chris Biederman. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. And like I said, also on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash at Candlestick Chronicles podcast. I think it is. Uh, just search Candlestick Chronicles. It's up there. And then uh, ESPN 1320, 10 to noon, uh, Monday through Friday. And uh, dude, Damon, like this goes back to when I first started at, at Niners Wire, just like as a contributor. I moved home. So I was in Arizona and I hated it there. I was doing a bit like customer service job. And I moved back home to try and just break into media. That's what I wanted to do. And so I latched on as a contributor with, with Niners Wire. And there were a couple things I wrote that you made like whole segments out of. And people would hit me up and be like, dude, Damon Bruce just said, like, oh, dude, Damon Bruce just said this. And you mentioned one time you were talking about all these young journalists and, and you brought me up. And again, this is like 2014, 2015, 2016, like that, that kind of range of time. So um, that kind of stuff like really kept me going when, when it felt like I wasn't going anywhere. And knowing that I had uh, the attention of people like you. Uh, is is part of the reason that I that I grinded through some tough stuff. So I really appreciate it for real. No, I really appreciate that. Thanks for sharing that. I did. I didn't know that at all. I mean, I'm just to me, I'm just looking for interesting. That's all I'm looking for. When I go on, when I'm looking for stuff to talk about, I'm just looking for interesting. I don't care where or who it comes from. And you were someone who is just generating an awful lot of interesting. You did the same thing as a producer. You did the same thing as an on-air contributor. I remember that show. What was you, me, and what was it, Bonte? Like yeah, a, the Niners one. Years ago, we did a Niner thing that was run over the Christmas break, and we spent mm -hmm. like four hours recording a show that got played eight times in a row or something <laughs> like that. That's that right. was one of the first times you and I did anything on air together. That was really interesting. This was really interesting. And I think that the rest of your career is about to be the exact same thing. Kyle, you're a talented guy. Uh, I don't want to sound like the old condescending, you go get him, Tiger, or anything like that. <laughs> but you're really good. And this is your moment. You've been preparing for it. Go kick some ass, man. I'm really happy to have you on. Let's do this again sometime real soon. Literally anytime, man. Anytime. Thank you. There he is, Kyle Madsen, boys and girls. You follow him. You go ahead. You uh, read that Niners Wire. You listen to him on ESPN 1320 up in Sacramento. And that's someone that's easy to root for right there. He got so screwed by the layoff. Here's the thing. You had to trim. Well, no, you, you didn't have to at all. But yeah, you, you had to, in a cost-saving move, get rid of me and Ray. All right. Well, Ray and I were making real money. I mean, real money. So it sucked. It sucked for me. It sucked for Ray. We were making real money. Kyle was not making the kind of money that says, oh, yeah, we wake, we wipe that off the books. The quarter gets better. Not at all. Like, that's just a hardworking, up-and-coming kid. You'd be an idiot. An idiot as a company to let someone this good this early in their career 
just just go away. Just good luck somewhere else. It's the state of the media that we're now in. 95.7's loss is certainly Sacramento's gain. It was great to have Kyle on. It was great to have you here tonight. Uh, people were very excited. Uh, Vince Vargas says Kyle would always weigh in on the A's when other guys didn't. Well, he's a diehard A's fan. Um, uh, awesome show, Damon. Thank you very much. Old Dirty Hungus. Like that one an awful lot. Good stuff, boys, from the Bamboo Soldier. G. Martinez knows Kyle's on his way. Kyle and Bruce, yeah. Says, uh, does does Kyle have a ganja jar in the back? We have very similar backdrops. We really do. He's got the the black uh, kind of grid thing behind him. I, I, we clearly both shop at IKEA. Um, that's someone who's worth keeping an eye on. If you don't know about him, now you do. And if I were the person who just introduced you to him. Make sure you follow him. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on YouTube. Subscribe to Candlestick Chronicles and so on and so forth. And thank you for your support here tonight. Thank you for showing up. Rob C-Note, talk about putting some drops in the ganja jar. Rob C-Note, my man, thank you so very, very much. It was wonderful having you here for a little impromptu Thursday chat with Kyle Madsen, Easy guy to root for. Glad he was able to stop on by. We're really happy that you were able to stop on by as well. And of course, before we uh, let you go, we'll remind you that sports don't build character. They reveal it.